for this week uh, comes from Acts 14. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the words, word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done in their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities in Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. The word of the Lord. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you, brother. We have a uh, Bibles if you did not bring one or if you would like one. Uh, so simply raise your hand and uh, one of our amazing servants will care for you and get you a Bible. And want to let you guys know of some ground rules. We are a church that greatly desires that you live out the gospel and that you own the gospel and that you uh, understand the gospel. And so in this environment, even though it's a time of teaching, uh, we also want you to feel comfortable asking a question. But the only thing we ask is that if you ask a question, you think of whether this question is best suited to care for the entire body, giving greater understanding. Uh, if it's something that's just a small nuanced thing that you want to wrestle through personally, great. Let's do that after the service. You and I could talk, would love to care for you in that way. But if you think it's something that, man, seems like he might have missed a point or skipped something, this could be a blessing to the whole body. Please, we invite you to ask it. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, this is a day you've given us, and we want to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, it's, it's uh, great that we get to come together and uh, celebrate your name, and we pray for those who can't do this with the freedom that we do. And we don't want to take it for granted, Lord. Now, would you allow your word to be proclaimed? In spite of me, in spite of the things going on in our lives, would you allow us to be able to focus on you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been to uh, Washington, D.C.? Now, I know D.C. has some really great architecture and a great plan and layout. But the thing I love most about Washington, D.C. is the people. I mean, you go to D.C. and you walk up and you think you're about to talk to a brother that's an African-American and his response is French. Or you think you're talking to someone that's white and you realize, no, she's not from Kansas. She's from Belgium. I mean, there's like this this diversity in D.C. that is that's kind of wild. I mean, you have your locals that have been born and raised in D.C., then you have dignitaries, people that are, are transplanted from their nation, from their country, to be a representative of their homeland right here in our states. Then you have federal politicians who are supposed to represent each state move there to be a voice for their people. I mean, there's a, an eclectic mix, and you never know really who you're going to encounter. 
That, that eclectic mix is, is the background. It is the setting by which we enter into uh, this, this chapter in the book of Acts, in the 14th chapter. It's a, a very diverse mix of people. And if you're just getting with us, we're, we're going through the book of Acts. And we invite you to, to listen to some of our previous sermons to get you caught up to this point. But in this city called Iconium, you have this, this crazy mix of people. Now, now, Paul and Barnabas have just left Antioch and they took a 90-mile walk to get to Iconium. How about, how about doing a 90-mile walk the next time you want to go somewhere? You know what I'm saying? You want to go to a Pistons game, start walking now for the game on Wednesday. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a different mindset. They're, they're walking, and as they walk, they come to this city, and this city has been Hellenized. And that term Hellenized is one that just means influenced by Greek culture. Because it was under rule of, of Syria for some time. So you've got Greek culture. You've got some, some Roman culture because the Romans ruled there for a time. But you also have these folks called the, the Phrygians, And those are the locals. Those are the people that before anybody came to conquer anything, this was their home. This was their hood. This was their house. And so now as Paul and Barnabas show up on the scene, there's a diversity there that's, that's pretty wild. And a pretty amazing opportunity for the gospel. And so we read in verse 1, now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. And so here, Paul and Barnabas, they head straight for the synagogue. And you might wonder why. Why are they going to the synagogue where you've got two groups of people there? You've got Jews there who understand that there is a one God. One true God. They, they may not be acknowledging him as Jesus. They may not be recognizing as Jesus do. But they have a history where they understand that there is one true God. And some of these homies might not care at all about this God. They might just be a religious people. People who just go to synagogue all the time. But they've heard these different scriptures point to one who is a savior. But then also in this crew, not just the Jews, you also have some Gentiles who have converted to Judaism. And so Paul and Barnabas are are pretty smooth with their strategy. They're like, hey, we get to start in this mixed community, this very diverse place. Let's start with people who might resonate a little bit with what we're talking about. I mean, at least this group isn't the group that may be worshiping 10 or 12 gods. Yeah, this this group is the, is a group that sees there being one God. And so they go there first to try to share the gospel. There's a continuation. There was there was a, 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 an event. There was a, a passion. There was a purpose in Antioch where they were sharing the gospel. And we've spent chapters and chapters in Antioch uh, in the 13th chapter where Paul and Barnabas are sharing the gospel with people. That same purpose now moves into Iconium. And so, and so they had a strategy. Let's go to the synagogue and share the gospel first. And while I, this is a side note, it made me, it made me wonder, Leon, where, where are the pockets of people who might resonate most with the gospel in our hood? 
And in our neighborhood, if I said today, hey, let's make a strategy for sharing the gospel, who would you start with? I, 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 I'm, I don't think that that's what this text is saying. Go and do one, two, three. But it did make me say, Lord, like, are there some natural roads into being gospel proclaimers that, that the community gives us? Let me tell you one of them. In our hood, the younger generation, uh, my generation and down, see how I kept myself in a young generation? Um, <laughs> my generation and down, uh, we, in the hood, we don't have a history of going to church. It's not necessarily a part of our upbringing. My generation, and, and I'm, I'm still, I'm kind of in both worlds. My generation and up, like, Everybody went to church. To be black in the hood, you went to church. And so what I found as I've connected with people in our neighborhood is that if your grandparents lived in this community or your parents lived in this community and they raised you in this community and now you are an adult living in this community, you got a pretty high chance that somebody drug you to church when you were a kid. Pretty high chance. And so I'll say something like, hey, I know you say you don't go to church now, man, but you've lived in this community for a long time. Did somebody take you to church? Did you attend church when you were young? Tell me what that was like. Now, natural inroad into being about the gospel in our community. It's not always, doesn't always work, but but I'm I'm trying to perk our senses to to some groups that might be a little bit more... um, uh, um, Aware when you start talking in gospel language. Here's another. In our community, we have uh, we have folks that are really kind do-gooders. We have some people that are humanitarians to the umpteenth degree, and it's a blessing because you see them doing a lot of great things. But do they do they attribute it to God or towards their human nature? Great opportunity for us to say, man, they get something. But the character that they are, they are ascribing it to is one of humanity. And man, let me take this natural inroad and connect it to God. Where might the people who are willing to engage the gospel in our community be? And so this is a mixed town, a mixed place. They go take the gospel to the synagogues and we see people begin believing. And they spoke in such a way that a great number of both the Jews and the Greeks believed. But in them believing and in them sharing comes some adversity. Verse 2 says, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Family, I, I, I pause here because uh, saying this term is something that we as Christians don't like to do. It, it, it seems like we're being too judgmental. It seems like we're, we're not being loving and kind. But, but the statement of these people being unbelievers is a clear one. And let's talk about what is an unbeliever, okay? Because he's talking about people who are going to synagogue, who may be doing the religious thing daily, who might be out talking about God, as it were. But there's a defining characteristic. Let's go to that famous verse. John 3, 16, 18. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. But he who does not believe in what? Him in Jesus. That's that's the linchpin of Christianity for us. It's not are you a really nice person? It's not, do you come to church really often? It's not, are you a really celebratory person about the good things going on in the community? It's not even, man, are you gracious and kind? It's what do you do with this man named Jesus? It's, it's, do you see him as the hope of all? And unfortunately, the, these Jews who don't see him as the hope of all, who actually um, reject him, begin to spread lies. And they begin to, to, to corrupt the community there as, as they're wrestling through, do I believe in don't I? And, and uh, there's a, a connotation here that's not just like that of a lie, it's actually one of a virus. And I don't, I don't know a whole bunch about viruses, so Nate or Scott, one of them is going to get me one of my doctors in the house. But, but, a, but, a, but a virus is something that is, it, it infects and it multiplies. See, it's, it's this, this idea of, of, yeah, they started with a lie, but that lie like just permeated throughout the community. I had this happen to me once. So I, I'm, I'm back 10th grade year in high school I'm I'm kicking it with my boys and a new album from this group called Mob Deep I know y'all don't know them it's okay the new album called from Mob Deep is is had just dropped a single just came out so now I'm kicking it with my boys and I'm like yeah boy I just got the whole album what Leon the whole album doesn't come out for like three more weeks no I got it I got it trust me boy and it's good now I know I've I've just lied, but, you know, I'm talking to two guys. It's cool. Bell rings. I go down the hallway, see somebody. This brother coming to high five me. Leon, you got that new album? Yeah, man, I'm going to get it after school. Somebody else. Leon, I'm so happy you told me, brother. I'm not going to eat my lunch today because I'm going to save this lunch money. I'm going to get that album. You know, now it's like all these different people hear about the album. That never came out. <laughs> you know I got caught. But, but, but the point is that, that lies begin to infest. And when you start a lie, it's not like you can just grab it back easily. It, it begins to contaminate the people. And so we don't know exactly what angle the Jews are taking. We don't know if they're saying, hey, this Jesus, this dude is crazy. Or if they're saying, hey, no, the Jesus dude is cool. They're performing these works based on the devil, though. And they don't, we don't know what their bent is. All we know is that there are some people who are listening to Paul. There's some people listening to Barnabas and they're being deceived. They're being deceived. They're being fooled. But the, but I, I love the term that Paul, excuse me, that Luke, the writer of this text uses to show the unity that's now happened. 
We're going to come back to this term later, but there's this term brothers he uses. He uses, it stirred up the Gentiles, um, excuse me, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. He's demonstrating that there's a oneness. That term in the Bible is used to show unity, to show a oneness, to show a connection. To say, hey, these folks are as one, but these lies are seeping to come in and cause dissension and disrupt unity. And let me ask you a question. What, what, what could potentially cause disunity within this local body? What type, what type of lie could be embedded within Mac Ave that could destroy the fabric of the gospel? I've got, I've got a few. The, the quick and easy one is politics, right? Because every Christian should be a Democrat. I mean, every Christian should be a Republican. Our, our political stance could easily begin to tear away at the fabric of the gospel. Or, or, or the lie that you know that if you don't have money at Mac, nobody really listens to you. Or the lie that, that, that you know that if you aren't from the hood and aren't, aren't poor, nobody really listens to you at Mac. Or the lie that you know that if you rent and you're not really a stakeholder, your voice isn't really heard. You don't really bring value. Or if you, or if you bought a house, you kick someone out who raised their family there. You're just an opportunist. <laughs> The lies can begin to, to, to seep within our local body and begin to start peeling, to tearing away at the core fabric of the gospel. And so family, while, while I'm giving you periphery content, I'm giving you the, the temptation of how lies can tear away at the fabric of a church body to be faithful to the text. It's focused simply on lies tearing away at one component. And that's the grace of God. Verse three says, so they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Now, speaking boldly, family, is is typically thought of as courage. Okay. And what's courage? Courage is when is when you are you're you're going to go do something. Something gets in your way that causes fear. And in the midst of that fear, while being scared, you go for it and do it anyway. That's courage. And oftentimes speaking boldly is associated with courage. But here the connotation is different. Here is one of being fearless. Of actually having no fear. Actually, you going to go do something, the, that same situation arises that should cause fear, and you don't even think twice about it. You keep doing what you're going to do. Because, because whatever it is, that agent doesn't have its power against you. I, I, I had a situation as a kid. I was, uh, I was eight years old, and I'm, I'm playing football. Now, the neighborhood bully is right over there on the sideline, and I see him, and he's pointing at me. He's like, yeah, a couple more times, and you going down. So I hear him talking to a few of my friends, and I'm telling y'all, inside I'm terrified. So I'm playing football. I'm like, okay, quarterback, this is what we going to do. 
I'm going long, all right? Get ready to throw me the ball. I'm going long. So he says, okay, here we go. Set, hut. I take off. I don't look back, y'all. I keep going until I get to the house. <laughs> so so I, I keep going. I get home. I'm out of breath. I sit down. Whew. Oh, I made it. All right. Now, I hear a ding dong. All right. Mom goes against the door. She comes back. Hey, there's a dude outside named, uh, I won't say his name. Uh, he says he wants to fight you. So now, I stand up. And now, I go outside. I'm like, man, what are you doing at my house? You want to fight? A whole different demeanor in Leon. Why? Because my pride was affected. You see, I, I, didn't, I didn't have now courage. I became fearless, but it was rooted in pride. You, you've become fearless too at times when it's rooted in arrogance. Maybe you think you're the best in here, so you don't care what nobody thinks of you. See, what, what Paul and what Barnabas do is they say, no, I don't, I don't care what adversity you may bring. My confidence is in that of Christ. Therefore, the fear has no effect on me. Why should I be scared? Christ has conquered death. You got something bigger than death? No. You got something that's, that's greater than the act on the cross? No. So therefore, as I go sharing my faith, I do it boldly. Because of who Christ is and my confidence in him. Family, we we know what it looks like to be fearless, but let it be rooted in Christ. Let it be rooted in, in the beauty of our king who's died on our behalf to allow us not to have to conform to what other people think. Not to have to have us conform to how other people feel. Not to have us be, be fearful and so it holds us back from sharing the gospel in the way that Christ would desire us to. Let our confidence in Christ allow us to speak boldly. But there's this concept that, 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 that the gospel is laden with and that is rich with and it's the, the word of grace. The word of his Grace. I want to go to Romans 6.14, which helps us understand this. And I think it's on the screen, but if not, we're going to Romans 6.14. And it says this. For sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. See, there 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 was some good things from the law, okay? The law helped you and I realize we were sinners, you, you needed a gauge, you needed a rule, you needed something to tell you when you were acting against the holy God, okay? There, there came a time where the wickedness of our hearts needed some confine, needed some boundaries. But in doing that, it also showed us that we keep failing. So as we realize, man, I'm hurting a holy God I now begin to see how often I hurt a holy God because in no way am I perfect. So I'm continuing now to see condemnation brought upon my shoulders because I just can't do it. That's a, that's a legalized lifestyle. That's a, that's a law-laden relationship with God. 
But what Christ does is he switches it. He says, no, actually, I'm going to put you in a place of grace. So through grace, your works don't earn you anything. Actually, through grace, it is by the work of Jesus that you now are cared for. So whereas you thought that you had to be good enough, not anymore. Because he's the only one who is good. Whereas you thought your effort could earn merit, he's saying no. Actually, what I'm giving you is unmerited favor. The favor of God because of who you are. Now you are my child. And as my child, there's a holy inheritance that is, that is a portion done to you. Not by what you did, but what Jesus has accomplished for you. Ephesians 1, 7 says this. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. There was this, this uh, theologian, uh, Passavant, that says it like this. He says, we have in this grace not only deliverance from misery and curse, not only forgiveness, we find in it the freedom, the glory, the heritage of the children of God, the crown of eternal life. There is a, in, in, in this magazine called Progressive Magazine, uh, uh, an example of an incident that happened to Billy Graham. And it says, and Billy Graham was a, a guy who shared the gospel with many all over our nation and, and, it, and the world as well. It says that when Billy Graham was driving through a small southern town, he was stopped by a policeman and charged with speeding. Graham admitted his guilt, but was told by the officer that he would have to appear in court. The judge asked, guilty or not guilty? When Graham pleaded guilty, the judge replied, that'll be $10. A dollar for every mile you went over the limit. Suddenly, the judge recognized this famous minister. He said, you have violated the law. The fine must be paid, but I'm going to pay it for you. He took a $10 bill from his own wallet, attached it to the ticket, and then took Graham out and bought him a steak dinner. Billy Graham said, this is how God treats repentant sinners. That family is not, it's not just that we've been saved from great that is that is we we are no longer under this law of sin now put in a place of grace but now we get to delight in god's ways god is yeah i can't run with that steak dinner analogy too much but 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 delight in the lord now he now wants to offer us himself and say i want you to fully be cared for fully be blessed living a life of abundance and so as a testimony to what these guys are saying, and you, you gotta, you gotta remember, this is kind of a crazy environment. Remember, I told you, this is a mixed community, very diverse. So you have believers like, wait, now those are, those are the unbelieving guys I've been doing synagogue church life with forever. They're telling me one thing. Then I got Paul and Barnabas coming. They're the new guys on the scene, but what they're saying resonates with me. It's making sense. And then God does something awesome. And he says, you know what? Just to, to, to validate what they are saying, I'm going to allow signs and wonders to take place. And, and the beauty of that is God is faithful whether he does sign or wonders or not. 
You know, Paul and Barnabas were still going to share the gospel regardless. Paul and Barnabas were going to challenge people to live for Christ regardless. But through God's mercy, he says, you know what? As you guys are sharing, I'm going to confirm, boom, yes, what these brothers are saying is true. Look at these signs and wonders. Look at these miracles happening. And so, so it's got to be tough when you're standing in the middle as one of these people and, and you're saying, whoa, these brothers that I know are sharing these lies. But these brothers over here, what they're saying sounds good. And look at those signs and wonders. And, and, and now you're, 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 you find yourself in the middle. But, but family, there should never be a middle. You got you. What all of us have to wrestle with is, are what these men saying true? That takes us back to our first point of being an unbeliever. You see, when when the gospel is proclaimed to you, do you take it as as truth? If so, it rocks and it changes your entire life. And so God allows through His sovereign hand signs and wonders to take place just to to affirm what they what 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 paul and barnabas are saying but in verse four we see but the people of the city were divided some sided with the jews and some with the apostles but but family i don't i want to remind us that that uh this term division isn't is a is a is a great word for the christian and i know it's 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 one that uh doesn't seem like it has a a positive uh connotation to it but uh, division can be a really healthy thing when it's for christ luke 12 51 verses 50 excuse me luke 12 verses 51 through 53 says this Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? This is Jesus' word. No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house, there will be five divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter. Daughter against mother. mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. What is he saying there? He's trying to say, look. There is, there is unity in Christ. But there will be times where the decision that you choose to make for Christ doesn't bring unity in your home. Because there are going to be people in your home who don't believe in Christ. And now division happens. And now you making a choice. You taking a stand for Christ. And they're actually being division in the home is actually a good thing. Now, I'm not not advertising and saying we need to tear apart marriages or anything like that. What I am saying is we all have a responsibility to Christ. And sometimes we shirk following Jesus, doing what Jesus calls us to be about for our family norms. And Christ is saying, you got to make a choice. You got to make a choice. So some of you, people are going to say, well, you're you kind of being a little too radical for Jesus. You're trying to go out and do what? Can't you just go to church? Is, isn't that enough? For some of you, it's going to be, well, 
you know, great, great, great grandpa raised us in this church. And so everybody go to this church. And if you don't go to this church, you're not a real Christian because you ain't. You know, for, for some of us, it's going to be why, why on earth would you move to Detroit? To live out the gospel, you ain't got to do all that. For some of us, it's going to be why on earth you just got your new job? Why are you staying here? We've been here all our life. Now you want to you wanna stay? There's something new out there. Let's go somewhere else. See, t- taking a stand for the gospel is going to go against some of your family norms. And what the Lord is saying here is that that division is okay. That division is okay. So then we see in verse 5, it says, When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laconia and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Paul, Paul and, and Barnabas, they're, they're not afraid to experience persecution. In fact, when they were in, in the last time, when they were in Antioch, um, there, there's this group that was able to, to kind of work with all of the powers that be to elect them to kind of be banned out of the town. But, but this crew, this crew is a little different. This crew isn't going through, like, let's go get a vote. Let's go, you know, get a judge to to issue a civil order to have these two guys banned. This group is kind of like, hey, you got your bat? You got your stone? Let's ride on these homies. You know, it's like it's like a it's it's a it's a crew, it's like a mob mentality that's ready to go and beat down Paul and Barnabas. And so with wisdom they say, it's probably good that we it's probably good that we get out of here. And this is about to be, uh, we're going to see a, a, a new movement towards these other places that they're going to in Derby and, and Lystra. They're, they're going to be a, a, a gospel proclamation that happens there. But as they go, they're sharing the gospel. They're sharing the gospel. Family, as we, as we reflect on this, this small thing of seven verses... I want us to make sure we leave with the understanding of this, this concept of grace. Because for the Jew, grace was hard to receive, right? I mean, what you're saying is none of my effort gives me merit with Christ. None of my effort makes me better in God. And then you're also saying, though, though that, that, that man... These Gentiles, these people who I can't stand, these people who are uh, worse off than me, who some would do, who some would say are kind of scum of the earth in comparison to a holy people. You're saying they get everything I do and they haven't worked for it at all. You're saying they are now my brother. I was uh, I was wrestling with this family. I was wrestling with this. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, this, this concept of grace is a, is a gospel issue and we can become very, uh, 
we can become very judgmental of the Jews. But I began asking myself, like, okay, if I really sit back and examine my heart, what people group would I have a tough time uh, seeing get the same grace that I get as I've worked for it? And I haven't worked for it at all. You know, but as, as I started wrestling with this question, I began thinking of our journey as a church and how we've been here doing life. We've been sharing the gospel. We've been neighboring. We've been trying to connect with people. We've been having backpack outreach and harvest party and homies showing movies on a corner. People sharing the gospel, these variety of things. And, and, and if, a, if a harvest is reaped, if, if people rise up and say, man, you know what? I want Christ as a result of that. Who would be the people that we might struggle with? Would, would you be okay with, 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 with a person that is a, um, just beat his wife two weeks ago? Would you, would you be okay with the brother who just came out of jail for the third time? Would you be okay with the sister who steals people's identity and wrecks their financial status? Or the uncle that is that is molested his niece or nephew? You see, family, what, what Luke is trying to help us see is that term brother reigns. It united a people who thought that they were holy and set apart from anybody else. And what the grace of God does is it washes our heart and reminds us that, that we're no better than anybody else were it not for the cross of Christ. But I'll be honest with you. As I was praying through it this week, I was like, man, Lord, work in my heart. Because it's not a real easy thing to just say, yeah, no problem. I welcome everybody. If I can be honest, there are some people that I mentioned on that list that I might struggle with. But, 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 but is, is, but is that, is that truly saying, Lord, your gracious hand can redeem them in spite of their past? And will we celebrate them in the same way that we would someone else who, who has a clean past as it were? See, that's the thing. The grace of God exposes that none of us have a clean past. We're all in need of a holy savior to redeem us from sin. Family, I pray that, 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 that as we have to, to put ourselves in, in the minds of these brothers who are hearing lies, as we understand the, the, the Jews who are trying to discredit what Christ has done on the cross, I pray that it would lead us toward being a people who continue to extend grace. But extending grace, isn't that term that we use pretty often, right? That term that means like be lenient. Or give them an extra chance. That's, that's not what's modeled here. What's modeled is a clear articulation of Christ so a person can make a choice. That's what's modeled. And whether it happens 
while you're going out sharing your faith, whether it happens at your table, doing life with your neighbors, whether it happens with, with a cousin and somebody that's right in your family, your extended family. I pray that it would, it would be one where you could do it without fear. We would be fearless because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And our, our confidence is in that. May the grace of the Lord be with us as we seek to proclaim his name. Family, we are now going to, uh, to move to a time of prayer. Excuse me, a time of tithe and offering and also a time of communion.